Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the living God today. This morning, if you have your Bibles, let's go all the way back to the fifth book of the Bible, which is Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1 and 6. Even if you don't have your Bible today, this is not too hard to get hold of because it's only one verse. Deuteronomy 1 and 6. Once you find your place, as always, we ask you to please stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. Thank you guys for being here. It's going to be a lovely service. I believe God's going to bless it and He's going to give us exactly what we need to hear today. You got your place, say amen. amen. Moses tells us, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Let us pray. Father, I know it don't seem like much, but it doesn't take much for you to get your word across today. Because God, all you need to say is go, and that means a a lot. If you say stop, that means a lot. But Lord, we're going to come today and we ask you, Lord, just to bless this service and give us the grace to receive a word from you. Father, I feel like I have uh, applied myself as your servant to seek your will, to study and show myself approved. But, Lord, even with all the study and all the memorizing and all that I try to do, God, I I do not trust in that today, but I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, He is the great counselor. He is the teacher. He is the one who leads and guides and directs our steps. So now, Holy Spirit, if you would, just have your way in this service. Open the minds of your people. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Give us a discerning heart, Lord. Father, like Brian was saying, we're living in a strange time, in the end times, if it would. And and only you know, God, but we believe by faith that time is approaching for us to prepare ourselves for your return. And even now, we ask God just to bless your people in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. And Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Amen. It's interesting to me to say the least that that God has brought us back to another mountain. Come on, amen. Because you know last week, like Brian mentioned, we were talking about speaking to our mountains in Sammy. And we learned that last week the mountains that we are called to speak to are the challenges that we face on a daily basis. Temptations and addictions. Anger issues, jealous issues, sometimes it's loose lips, sometimes it's loose eyes, and a lot of times it's a loose mind. Come on, amen. In fact, someone came to me, came to me directly after the service last week and told me that he thought that this was the best message that he had ever heard me preach. Now, I'm not sure about that, because I've preached a lot of messages That's the best one he's heard. But I don't know how well I did or not, but I do know one thing, that I had a word from God. And if I have a word from God, then it is a good message. Can I get an amen? But you see, once again, God has brought us back to another mountain, but this mountain is called Horeb. Let's go ahead and give you the title this morning so you can write that down. The title is, this lesson is called, You Have Stayed Long Enough. At your mountain. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to leave your Horeb. Mm -hmm. Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, last week, he said, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be given to him. Sammy said he witnessed to many people about doubting. 
We learned last week that the moment that you doubt, the least amount of doubt in your prayer will completely void what God can do to your mountain. Now, this mountain today, which is called Horeb, we're going to get to the meeting here in just a minute, but it's actually the same mountain as Mount Sinai. You know, Mount Sinai is where God gave Moses the law and the commandments. Can I get an amen? But what's interesting is that the word Sinai has no specific meaning at all. And I try to research and look for anything, and the only thing that I could find that Mount Sinai represent was was the people believed that it meant the mountain that shined, the shining mountain. I guess because when the God's glory was on that mountain, it was shining, and so they called it the shining mountain. But then we look at the word Horeb that, that Moses is calling it, Mount Horeb, and now the Horeb, the Hebrew word is Korab, Korab. And that simply means a place of desolation, a place deserted of people, a state of bleakness and emptiness and bareness and even unhappiness. Now, this is a mountain that we all are very familiar with because there's not a soul in this room that hasn't been in a place that's desolate and empty and lonely and void. Can I get an amen? And God is telling us today that, that we need to leave this, this mountain I think of a young child who would who get changed from school to school. Maybe his parents moved to another town, and when he comes to a new school, he, he knows nobody. He's sitting in the lunchroom at the mount called Horeb. You could be someone who just got a brand new job, and you're not, you don't know anybody in, in the company, and you here you are alone at this place called Mount Horeb, but God is telling us not to stay here. In fact, it's strange how many people can go to church week after week to get a word from God and leave that church in a place called Mount Horeb, still empty, still lonely, still feeling like there's no one there out there for them. When the Bible clearly says that God said, I'll I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, And the reason that this is taking place is because I'm not trying to put down preachers, but there's a lot of preachers who do not preach the truth. And when there is no truth, there is no weight behind what they say. And so the people come for something and they leave the same way they came, empty, void, without any help. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, the Spirit clearly says that in a latter time some will abandon the faith and follow Deceiving spirits and doctrines taught by devils and such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 through 19. Listen carefully. These men are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. He says, blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They, pro- they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. He says, for a man is a slave to whatever masters him. But here's another sad truth is that a lot of times you find churches where the preacher is preaching truth. And even though he's preaching truth, many people in that church, God is telling me that many people in that church is still leaving the same way they came, staying at a mountain called Horeb in desolation. And how could that be? How could, how could a man be preaching truth and people not receiving what it is he's saying? Well, it's because they're not listening with their hearts. They're not receiving what God has for them. They, they, they come for maybe the entertainment. They come for the fuzzies and the good feelings and, and not really interested in the truth because, because truth might hurt a little bit. But Jesus said it's the truth that will set you free. Come on, amen. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, he said, For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. That sounds like today, don't it? 
The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears desire to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. In fact, even in the beginning of all time, God gives us a word to the first man, Adam, in Genesis 2.18. Listen carefully. Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And so think about this for a minute. Here, Here is Adam in this place called paradise the garden of Eden and this place is filled with any and everything that your flesh would ever desire the best of the best food there's no sin it's a perfect there's no flaw in it but here he is and God is telling him even in this great place the garden of Eden that it's not good for man to be alone now think about this. What if Hawaii had never been found? And here you were in a ship and you, you find this island and you're all alone and you find this great place of paradise and you belong. it belongs to you now. And you know what? You camp out for about two or three days and four days and it'd be awesome because it's, you're, you're all alone. It's beautiful. I got everything I want to eat. It's, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this, but But after about five or six days, you start getting lonesome. And it doesn't matter how beautiful it is and how much stuff there is to look at. It's not good for man to be alone. Even on this show that me and Kristen were just watching, you think I've watched every episode because I'm a survival guy. But but it's called Alone. And we were watching the sixth season. And here's this one guy, man. he He has a great shelter. He has caught plenty of food for several, maybe a week or two weeks. He has everything he needs but one thing, companionship. And because he is alone and because he is desolate, because he's in this place of void, there's no one to talk to, he taps out, come get me. God said it's not good for man to be alone. And he's telling us today that that you and I are called to leave these sad, desolate places in our lives. Void. Empty. And it's sad because you and I, we we should understand that all that God has told us in his word, that, that he'll never leave us nor what? Forsake us. Even in the saddest, desolate places, we don't have to be alone. I know my mama, she sometimes gets alone, but she don't have to be alone. Because all she has to do is basically close her eyes and, and, and call out to the one who's, who's always awake, always waiting for a call. And, and so if she's sitting in her room all alone in, in a place called Horb, she don't have to stay there. Just like that individual who's locked up, incarcerated right now. He can miss his family, he can miss his friends, he can miss all the things of the world, but all he has to do is close his eyes and find himself in paradise with God. Come on, amen. I know that Leland, I talked to him Saturday, and it was good talking to him, but I could tell that he was alone, and he was trying to to make connection with people because he's still, he's a businessman, and he's drawn to do what God has created him to do. And, and when he finds himself in this lonely place, he, he don't feel like he's living unless he's left that place of loneliness and he reaches out to other people that he can contact so he can feel alive. Because it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be living in a place called Horeb. And so if you want a word from God, I'll give you a simple word from the Lord. The word is this, all you have to do is leave. Leave. It doesn't matter what your horror is. Ask yourself right now, what is my horror? Because your mountain of, of desolation is different than mine. Everybody in this room has their own place of, of, of isolation, loneliness, unhappiness. 
That, that, could, be, that could be your Mount Horeb could, could be a bad relationship. Individuals in your life who, who bring you down. They, they're, they're called to be your friends, but every time you're around them, they, they make you feel alone. They, they make you feel like you are nothing but nothing. Come on, amen. Them are not friends. Them are not friends. That's Horeb. And you've got to get away from it. Your hoard could be a, a stock market. You, you've invested all this money in a stock market, but it's dead. It's dry. It's just sitting there, and you're waiting for it to do something. God said, leave it. Get away from it. Get you something that is alive and living, moving. It could be, it could be a, a dry church. It could be a dead church. I remember years ago, me and Chris were, were caught up in several churches trying to find the right church home, and, and it was dry and dead, and we, we stayed there for so long until I just said, I can't take it no more. i got to go where something is alive. i got to find me a preacher that will preach me the truth, and, 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 and people are alive. People are excited about the Word. That's what I need. Because if I sit here at Horeb long enough, it's going to cause me to die. And, and that's why I don't understand why our church is not just flooded with people. Because people are, are needing truth. They're, they're needing to be, they need the spring of life flowing out of me into their life. They, they need the living water. If you, you put a bucket of water in your backyard, I can promise you it won't take long before it turns green, stale, and dead, stagnant. But you get some water moving, you, you'll have some life. Even your goldfish will tell you, blow some bubbles in my tank because I'll die in here without some air. Amen. But let's look what Jesus said. I've used this verse many times in the past, but I, I wanted to hear it again. I like this one. Luke 9 and 62. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, that's exactly what a lot of us do. We continue to look back at our mistakes, at our failures, and all those bad things in our life instead of looking ahead. And Christ is telling, if you look back, you're not fit for service. In other words, I can't use you while you're still buried at Mount Horeb. You're living in desolation when I called you to live in freedom and to life and to happiness, joy, and peace. He's called the prince of what? Yeah, he is the prince of peace. You can't have peace at a place of desolation. If you've ever walked into your home before and it just feels dead, you feel all alone, there's something wrong there. Because that's not home. There's never been a time that I walk through the door and feel alone. Because even when my wife is not there, I know she's with me in spirit. If, if I lived in a place that was dead and, and, and I, I wasn't ever feeling alive, I would say, you know what, let's just sell it and get away from it. Because, you know, th this world, we're dealing with something called spiritual warfare. And these spiritual beings, these unseen creatures, will, will pull you down into depression, into anxiety, into worry, into stress. And they live and they encamp at, at a desolated place called Mount Horeb, a dead place. And they want to keep you there and keep you down. Because as long as they keep you down, they know if you're down, you can't help nobody else up. So God is telling us we, we've got to leave that place of desolation. Now, Austin, I'm not trying to put you on the, on the, on the spot, but, but how long did you stay at that mountain? How many years did it keep you down? Five? Six? Sixty? What do you say, mommy? Sixty-seven days? Six or seven years. Or let's say seven years. 
Seven years of desolation alone. People called him friends, but really weren't your friends. They just wanted something to put their hook into. How much can I get out of you? How much, how, how much can I drain out of you? And I'll keep using you as long as you stay at this place of desolation. And I'll keep you here long enough to kill you. And so Austin has to make a choice. I have to choose to do what? I have to walk away from it. Now, Sammy can't choose it for him. Misty can't choose it for him. His pastor can't choose it for him. He has to choose himself. I've got to leave this mountain. Because this dead mountain will eventually fall on me and crush me and kill me. If I'm dead, I'm no good for nobody. But now walking in life in freedom, he has the power and the anointing of God in his life that he can help other people get released from their mountains. Because last week we talked about speaking to our mountains. Casting them into the sea. God's telling us not only to speak to them, but to get away from them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And just like Paul, we have to leave those ways. But God asked me to ask you this question today. He says, what is it back there that you can't let go? Can I go ahead and share this? (laughs) He said, what is it that you love so much? Do you love your misery so much that you can't leave it? Do you love your stress and anxiety so much that you can't walk away from it? Do you love your pain and suffering that much that now you're almost addicted to it, that you have to have it? And here's something else that really cut. I'm like, whoo, Lord. He said, are you so in love with your sympathy from others that you will not leave the lonely places. See, people have the power to get free and get healed and delivered, but they love the sympathy of other people seeing them down and out that they won't leave because they will not have that little form of pleasure of sympathy. Poor so-and-so. Poor so-and-so. They'll never get ahead. No, they don't get ahead because they won't leave it. Jesus even asked that man who had been at the, the pool of Bethsaida for, for all these years. He said, how long have you been here? And then all of a sudden he changes the subject, saying, I have no one to put me in the water. Jesus is not asking, do you have someone to help you? He's like, how long have you been here, man? It's time for you to do something. In other words, don't wait on the shore. Get in the water. And so if the water's being stirred, you're already in there. Get where the water is alive. And wait. Don't stay in dead places. Because dead cannot bring you nothing but deadness. Paul says in Romans 6, 20 and 20 through, 6, 20 through 22. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. He said, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? How many things in your old life that you did that you wish that you never did that now you're ashamed of? Like, ooh, don't bring that up, baby. Come on. I'm so glad that some people do not come here and testify about who I was. I'd be like, I'll be in the restroom. (laughs) Oh, Lord, get me out of here. Amen. He said, though things result in death. Did you hear me? But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. You can have eternal life in you, but feel dead. Why? Because you won't leave those places behind. We just hang on to them. When Christ is offering us eternal life, 
Dennis could be, Mount Hor could be the way that we, we, we talk about people. You, you can't get freedom in that life. You can't get freedom while you're talking about somebody because right there you, you, you're, you're communicating with the dead. There's a spirit behind that. That's why God teaches us to get away from it. There's an unnamed woman in the Bible in Genesis. Can I finish this? Good. Her name's not mentioned, but but she couldn't let things go. Now, like I told you before, I believe that God leaves names out of the Bible for this one reason, so that we can put our name in there. Because when you see your name in the Bible, just put your name, that's me. And you see... These situations that come come to these people like like destruction and pain and suffering, I can promise you, you say, I don't want no part of that. And that's why I believe God did that. And this woman is, is a woman who was married to a man named Lot. Let's read Genesis 19, 15 through 17. It said, with the coming of dawn, the angels heard Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here and you will be swept away when the city is punished. Or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. We're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah here. When he, when he hesitated, the men grasped. What did he do? When he hesitated, the men what grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives and what? Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Genesis 19 and 26. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. There's a verse in 2 Peter chapter 2, 7 through 9. It said, if God rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy, filthy lives of lawless man, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented by his righteous soul. If the Lord knows how to rescue God, godly men from trials, will he not rescue us as well? He's rescuing us right now the same way he, he's rescuing Lot. He told Lot to, to, to get away from this city. It's dead, and God is going to what? Destroy it. But, but what was it in, in Lot's wife that she couldn't let it go? They took her by the hand. They're leading her out of the city, and God specifically says, do not look back. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Do not look back. But whatever it was in that city, she could not let it go, and because of it, she was destroyed. Was it her job? Can't let it go. Was it her finances? Was it her big house? Was it another lover? Who knows? But something had her enchained, in prison to that mountain she couldn't let. And because of it, it cost her everything she had, her life. God burned her up from the inside out. Nothing left but salt. But here we are today, living in our own Sodom and Gomorrah. You can say what you will. America is a great country. I'll call you a liar to your face. America is Sodom and Gomorrah all over. Yes, we have some great people. Some godly people, a great soldiers, and, and we have some great things. But America in general is nothing but Sodom and Gomorrah. And I can prove it to you right now. Because sin is accepted, sin is practiced, and God is not feared. It, it wasn't just the sin of, of homosexuality that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was those people who turned their back on God and set up idols and worship idols, worship flesh, worship, worship everything but the Creator Himself. 
And, and America has got herself in this situation, and we wonder why there's this giant mountain called COVID-19. We don't need to pray that God removes COVID-19 because COVID-19 is the judgment on America. And right now, people are perishing not because God ain't merciful, because He's just. And they'll continue to fall and fall until He removes His judgment. But if He don't, we have to deal with it. We are in a place that, that we better check ourselves or we will wreck ourselves. This is, this is real. And that's why I'm saying, listen, if we have to reach them through a rock band or whatever, whatever method it is, let's reach them. Because when he comes, it's too late. And, 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 and so what we should be praying is, is God... Your will be done, not my will, but your will be done. Because he has a purpose for what he allows to happen in our country. We may not like it, we may not want it, we may not understand it, but he's in control. And he knows how to get people on their knees. And I can promise you, until we get here, and it starts in this church, in the next church, and it starts all across America, until we get here, it's going to stay here with us. And we, we got to pray that God forgive us where we failed you. God has called many of you guys to serve him. In whatever area it may be. And you've denied to listen to God. You don't want to hear it. That means I have to give up something that I love more. Hallelujah. Jesus said, at that time, many will turn away from the faithful, will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear to see many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love, of most will, the love of most will grow cold. Because of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Have you, ever, have you noticed how cold people are becoming? They're, they're, it's not normal how they're acting. I mean, no matter where you go, you, you see this hatefulness and this ungodliness, and it's just like you, you can't even go to the store without someone basically about running you over. Because the love of most have grown cold. They don't want God. They don't love God. They don't care about God. And they surely don't want a president who, who prays to God and supports God. They want to put some rascal in there that's going to make it even worse. And Jesus said, in this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so we had the responsibility to lead people away from their mountains. The, the, greatest amount, the greatest mountain in America today is unsaved individuals. Everywhere you go, dead people are walking around, chained to a mountain of deadness, void and empty. They have no hope. I deleted two people off my Facebook page this week. I said, you know what? I can't be yoked up to that. Even though I'd love to get them saved, but, but you can only take so much of their sin. Every time you click on their little page thing, it's, it's ungodly. It's like, no, no, that is enough. Because while she's clicking, I'm clicking on hers, she should be clicking on my stuff. But if my stuff ain't breaking through to her stuff, then, then it's time to go on. That's when you, you, know, you dust your feet and keep going until you find who are ready to get saved. Are you listening? This, man, I'm sorry I'm going long. But, but, but the saddest 
verse in the entire Bible is found in Genesis 6, 5, and 6. The saddest verse in the Bible. And the Lord God saw how great man's wickedness had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. I deeply believe today in the same way that, that his heart was broken back then, it's broken today. Me and Kristen, we saw a picture the other day. It just it hit us so hard. It was the eye. It was just an eye in the sky. It, it looked like a sad eye just looking down on America. I could see sadness in that eye. And you can call it what you will, but I, I call it the, the eye of God looking in America just thinking, am I about to do what I'm about to do here? See, see God is going... Without a doubt, he is going to destroy this world as we know it. Now, he destroyed it once before, and he did it with what? A flood. Forty days and forty nights it rained. And he told Noah, I'll never destroy the world like this ever again, so I'll give you this rainbow as a covenant to promise you I'll never destroy the earth like this ever again. And so what do we do? The homosexual, homosexual offenders, they take the symbol of God's love, His promise, His covenant, and it, they make it theirs. They defile, they spit in the face of God. I know this is a strong word. But you see, He's not coming with water, because think about it. Water would be a hard way to die, to drown but he's coming back with fire. I'd much rather die ten times in water than once in the fire. Because you in the fire, the pain has to be so tremendous. But, but the deal is, is the people who are against God and they hate God, and when the fire comes, they're going to lead this earth out of the fire into the fire. There, there is no escape. And so it's our job to snatch others from the fire while there's still time, you see. Isaiah, he tells us that he's coming with fire. Isaiah 66, 15 and 16. See, the Lord is coming with fire. And his chairs are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with rebukes and with fire and flames of fire. For with fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people. And many will be those slain by the Lord. John the Baptist tells us in 3.17 of Luke, his winnowing fan, his winnow, don't, say, don't say fork. That's a bad translation. His winnowing fan. You can't fan wheat with a fork. It, it's like this. The, the proper translation is a fan. They use the fan to, to get the shaft off the wheat. His winnowing fan is his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with a what? An unquenchable Fire. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13, If anyone builds on his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be real, revealed with fire, and the fire will test the qualities of each man's work. 2 Peter 3 and 7. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire and being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Second Peter 3 and 10. But the, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And so here we are. Knowing what the Word of God says. Knowing that right now we're, we're living in this time where people are unloving, uncompassionate, haters, being hated and hating. Wars and rumors of war, pestilence and famine, and, and all the things the Bible talks about, we're in it. And we know there's, the fire of God is going to fall 
fresh on America and throughout the world. It's going to consume all his enemies. Now, we can sit here on our mountains and just enjoy our, our death, living in death, dryness, and or we can get out and live and share the truth. Because once he comes, it's too late. There, there's nothing... Phil, is there anything we can do if he comes? No. That's why we're called to labor. Not get caught up in clothes, not get caught up in big houses, not get caught up in all this stuff because it's temporal. All the stuff that you love on this earth is going to be consumed in the fire. You can have the baddest drum set in the world, but when the fire comes, it ain't going to mount nothing because it's gone. That's it. And we're praying that, that God's going to rapture us out of here before all that. We hope. People ask me what I think. Am I pre-trib, mid-trib, whatever? I say, I don't know. Because I'd be a liar if I thought I did know. But, but I do know this. I know I saw Noah had to go through it. I know I saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through the fire. I saw Jesus had to go through it. See, God can get glory by taking us out of here, but he can get more glory by allowing us to stay in it. I'm praying that we're gone. Tomorrow, tonight, right now, before we leave the service, we're gone. I hope. That'd be awesome. Because I don't want to go through the tribulation. I don't want to go where, where, where it gets twice as bad as it's ever gotten. And, 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 and all these, these seals begin to open up that God begins to open up on, on the world to bring his judgment. See, this could be just the first seal. We, we don't know. But we need to be prepared. Because he says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. And when he comes, we better be prepared. Because we do not want to be left behind. I don't want to be I don't want to be living in sin. I don't want to be living like the world. I want to be doing God's will. He tells us all through scriptures that the way we know that we love him if we do what he says. Not just saying I love him, but doing it. We are doers of the word, not just hearers, but doers. I think about my wife's great her, her is it non is she your great grandmother? Her grandmother. I'd like to ask her one question. She's almost 90. I would just like to say, Nana, how many souls have you won to the kingdom of God? You're almost 90. She's a godly woman. You're a godly woman. You're a godly woman. But when God, you stand before God and he asks you, what did you do with my son, my son Jesus? Did you share him with others? Did you get anybody saved while you were here? And that's where the rubber meets the road. I'm scared of shit. No, we can't be scared. It's too late to be scared. I'm afraid that as, as godly as she is, she'd probably say, well, maybe one or two. Really? In 90 years, you got two people saved? I want to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't let him come while you and I are sleeping. Sleep. Get, do you get the picture? Don't let him come while you're sleeping. Don't let him come while you're laying down at the mountain, comfortable in deadness, in dryness, in weakness, in fear. Fear is part of that mountain. It'll chain you. Worried. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. It's not of God. Because God's people may not have physical substance and be the richest people on the earth.
Because some of the richest people in the world are some of the deadest in the world. They have all this money and can't buy happiness because happiness is free. Free. I'm so sorry I'm preaching on and on, but I just feel that Holy Spirit, you know, telling me as your pastor that, you know what, if we're the only church in America that's going to do His will, let's do it. But, but it takes more than just one person. It takes all of us working together. We saw, didn't we, how it worked, how we all worked together as a team. Your money and his money and their money. And we all came together and we came together, you know, three, three bands, Emily and Eden and, and Stain Red. And we all come together and, and because we worked together as a body, five people got saved. But here's what killed me. I found, can I go ahead and share this? This killed me. I'm watching a video, and I must have watched it 15 times because every time I, I look at it, it just fires me up. But I, I noticed in the shadows, while these five young people are getting saved, someone, I don't know who exactly it is, but they're in the background giggling and, and joking. I'm like, time out. What is wrong with this picture? I'm looking in the background. I see Kristen's grandmother, her mom with arms up in the air and praising God. I'm seeing Emily just sitting there in, in awe of what God is doing. And then I'm looking around. Then I see these two people, don't know who they are, just giggling and joking. I'm thinking, what is wrong with this picture? Is it not important enough just to stand in awe of what God is doing? That's the most powerful thing that could ever happen in this world is when someone comes from death into life. Born again. It's because people don't fear God no more. Truth is not spoken so there's no weight. And so everybody's laying it at a dead mountain. It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's you and I. Who are called to share the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation for those who believe, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from first to last, for just as it, it is written, the just shall live by faith. Memorize your scriptures because it's coming. They're going to take them from us. They're going to take our Bibles. They're going to burn them and get rid of them. So what are we going to do? Where's Pastor Kip at? He knows most of it. Yeah, but what if, that, what if I'm the first one they take the head off? Because see, you know, you strike, the Bible says you strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered. That They won't me first because they know I have wisdom of the word I'm saying listen study and show yourself approved because if it starts happening we don't have the Bibles no longer they remove it from all the digital stuff we're going to have to remember what we know and we, we better know some stuff because we're going to be faced with more and more I believe let's all stand I hope I ain't depressing you I'm just trying to say hey Wake up time, the alarm clock's going off. You know what? I'm willing to die for Jesus. If they came in this morning with guns and they said, right, will you deny Jesus Christ? Yeah, it could come to that. And let's just, if we had to, I, I just say, you know what, just take us all out. Because to be absent from, the, from the, this body is to be present with the Lord. No, I don't want to leave yet. I want to enjoy my life while I still have one here. But I don't want to never reject Christ. Because you know he tells us. 
You know, he tells us if we, if we deny him before men, he will deny us before the Father in heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your servant, as your spokesman today, I pray, God, that I wasn't out of line, but I pray you use me some way today to touch the hearts of your people. Because, God, it's not getting any prettier down here. And, Lord, we just pray your will be done. But, Lord, you are the God of mercy. And I pray, Lord, if you would just pour out any bit of mercy you could upon America and give us another chance, God, we truly appreciate it, Lord. I can't, I can't turn everybody, but I can get these people right here in this room turning back to you right now. Help us to turn off the TV for a little while and let us study a little bit. Help us to get in your will, God. Help us to pray like never before. We love you, God. We praise you. If anybody's here needing prayer, you need salvation, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Don't you leave here lost, playing church. Father, I pray right now in the name of Christ to send forth your word ahead of us today. Draw us to the cross. Keep us focused. Help us to talk to our children, our nephews, our nieces, our cousins who are walking in the world. We pray for those individuals who are so busy and giggling and whatever. We pray they'd get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost. But I am proud of those who gave their life. I'm proud of those who are standing in awe of what you were doing. Bless them in the name of Jesus. You guys have a blessed day. Amen.